Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and form a polycule? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. Hey guys. Hey guys. Week nine, baby. Week nine, what if but gooders? Halfway there. I almost said it right. What if but do gooders? Yeah, what if but do I'm committed to making it harder to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to start one of these by saying, uh, Welcome to What If But Good. It's the show where uh, everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> Which is the introduction to Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's just a good introduction it, to anything. It's a good intro and it also applies to this in a lot of ways. Our points don't matter. Yeah. I know mine don't, Peter. Uh, yeah. So, uh... We're gonna mix it up a little today. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do a little we're gonna we're gonna go a little book club with this one. We're gonna go a little book club. We brought some discussion questions. Yeah, at, at least one. I'm sure Silas has a couple that we didn't preempt. Well, but... I think I think we should I think we should round robin it. I think Peter has a really solid one this week. I think you should bring one next week. Okay, I, think... I was gonna say you can bring the solid one. I'll bring the fucking turd. <laughs> I haven't thought of anything. No, no. I think I think I think one is all this week podcast can can handle. That's I true. Think okay. it, its walls would would strain under the, the pressure of all these all these. All this gold. Uh, hit those, hit those walls. <laughs> uh, I just instinctively said that, and I knew that I shouldn't have. Uh, so the topic that I wanted to talk about, and as I pop in the audio, is um, subversion. Yeah, I think that uh, it's important for the theme of the podcast, which is what if we had things that were better than the things that we already don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to look at criticism of films, to look at films and criticism of films. And see like where they went wrong and what, how they played two tropes and how they subverted tropes. Right. Um, there's a movie coming out in a couple weeks. There's a lot of movies like this already, but there's one coming out in a couple weeks or maybe in a week, called uh, Long Shot or The Long Shot. I don't remember the full name. Yeah, it's the Seth Rogen Chili's Throne one. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chili's Throne, I think, is what you said there. <laughs> it's, it's made it's, of ribs. It's it's pretty close to the correct pronunciation. Yeah. She, it's a South African South name, African and she's just like, I'm not gonna have people say that. But yeah, yeah. Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. <laughs> but so, uh, so it's it's the same general concept uh, or the same trope of a movie where it's like there's a schlubby guy and a gal who's way out of his league, and can yeah. they make it work? We don't know. Yeah. Um, but the the twist in this in that movie, rather, is that uh, she is running for president. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Seth Rogen is like the, well, I'm schlub. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've never done a Seth Rogen before. I, I feel like... It came out pretty hot. It yeah, came out pretty yeah, good. Yeah. 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 Um, it's basically... You got the laugh right. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically every Seth Rogen movie ever, except if the woman was running for president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I've talked about on this show before how I think that um, Seth Rogen is like the archetype that I'm going for with the main character. But I, I really want to see this movie um, because I want to see like how it's it's getting good uh, pre-release reviews. 
and people are saying that it like kind of turns some of the formula on its head. Huh. And I want to see how it does that yeah. and how I can learn from it uh-huh. and not be a movie that could have been released in the 90s. Right, you know? yeah. Like, progress the culture by, right. you know, not releasing the same old, you know, schlock. Yeah. I've, I've had a, I had an interesting conversation with somebody recently about how, you know, if you look at a superhero movie from the 90s, it feels and plays very, or even any kind of action movie from the 90s, they feel very different from action movies that are coming out now. We've kind of adapted and modulated those to, you know, to, to just change with the culture, and that's true with war movies, too, and with sci-fi movies, yeah. and, but... For some reason, a lot of the romantic comedies that are coming out are kind of stuck in the 90s. Yeah. And, and 90s rom-coms were really different from 80s rom-coms, which were really different from 70s rom-coms. But for some reason, like, that genre is kind of stuck. And I feel like if someone found a way to make a, like, 2000, I mean, we blew past that decade, but, like, yeah. <laughs> a modern rom-com, I think it, yeah. it could be really successful. I didn't see the movie Isn't It Romantic? Which is the one where the woman realizes that she's in a rom com, mm-hmm. uh, but I know the spoiler, the twist. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna give it away because who gives a shit? She's in a coma. Oh right? what? Uh, but she wakes up from the coma and Saints elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> they're all in a snow globe. <laughs> yeah, uh, she wakes up from the coma, and I guess she has the confidence from whatever happened in the coma to approach the, the guy of her dreams and be like hey i'm really into you oh. or like to to realize that she the guy that she thought was the guy of her dreams isn't the guy of her dreams and to go after the one that's really right, right for her and all that this is um so i think that's like a, a rom-com where almost nothing happens in the actual plot because she's all it's all a dream you know right. yeah is is interesting to me and rom-coms in general this was my thesis by the way in college <laughs> Uh, my thesis was about uh, rom- romantic comedy versus um, what's called character comedy uh, by some scholars. Uh, by some scholars. No, yeah. You wouldn't read them. You wouldn't know about them. But uh, Not me, but some scholars. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the difference between... Uh, there's two fundamental types of comedy in okay. American cinema. There's the romantic comedy, which is where there's... Uh, not. It's not even necessarily about a romance. It's just about a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... Uh, the, the characters are the, whoever plays the characters is kind of interchangeable um, and then they're like Preston Sturgis movies are all romantic comedies mm-hmm. regardless of whoever he casts as leads they usually fit into archetypes whatever and then there's character comedies which is like Jerry Lewis Jim Carrey right. uh, even oh, like yeah. Steve Carell and Bruce Almighty is, is kind of a character comedy sure. Evan yeah. Almighty is a yeah Steve Carell oh, is yeah, Evan sorry. Almighty that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's okay yeah because he's in Bruce Almighty though. right where it's yeah. like it's it's one is about like just the narrative and the others about like taking a funny person and giving them a stage to, to right, do their right. funny thing. Right. In a romantic comedy, the comedy comes from the situations that develop and right. what's funny about those. In a character comedy, it's just like, hey, let's do a Jim Carrey movie. Let's right. yeah. do a Chris Rock movie. Let's make Yes Man. The yeah. Marx Brothers are character comedies and Buster Keaton movies are romantic comedies. Uh, no, Buster Keaton movies are character comedies. I feel like they're romantic comedies. Well, I mean, it depends. The general is a romantic comedy. Sherlock Jr. is a is a is a, is a, is a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the general is most silent comedies are character comedies, right. uh, and then when sound is developed, that's when sort of the romantic comedy genre. Mm-hmm. Really I mean, took form. one thing to consider about your argument is that you call them Buster Keaton comedies, mm-hmm. so character, right? Yeah, it's character true. first. It's true. The 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 general is well. Well, I'm second guessing myself now. It's pretty set piecey. Yeah, right. it's pretty set piecey. 
Yeah, and yeah. I, I I wrote a whole not very good paper about this. It got me my diploma, but... Uh, yeah. D for diploma, am I right, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, the the whole thing is, um, I don't really know what which of the two my movie is. I'd lean towards romantic. Right. Because it's not really about a wacky physical performance or anything. Yeah, I think Jim Carrey would be a poor choice. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now, with yeah. like the beard and the... Theories. <laughs> uh, I think he shaved the beard, but, it's, but the theories, the theories, are the theories remain. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I, anyway, I wanted to bring up subversion just as a general topic to see, like, what are you guys thinking about subverting? Like, what's yeah. what's the tradition that you think you're coming up against, and how do you want to change it? I think subversion in, in general is interesting because because just the idea of doing it is sort of uh, um, held up on this, like, like everyone knows you're supposed to, yeah. <laughs> like. It's it's oh this filmmaker's great they subverted expectation like but I think that we've all seen movies where it's really clear something was trying to be subverted and it does not work like mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of an example the rapid granny and orgasmo we yeah. talked about it a couple episodes ago yeah exactly um, and I feel like the difference is. If you, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're writing in a genre and you know kind of what you're supposed to do and you're like, well, I'm just going to do the opposite because it's unexpected. Yeah. It's probably not going to go great versus I think that subversion when done well is basically just stripping out the stuff you don't like yeah. about whatever tends to happen. Like, I think people talk about Tarantino a lot when it comes to subversion. Um, I don't think Tarantino is like, Ah, I'm going to really turn this idea on its head. I'm going to really take this, the idea of a war movie. I don't think he's that smart. <laughs> I, I think that, like, what's, I feel like what's happening is he is watching a lot of movies and going, oh, yeah. And then sometimes he goes, oh, no. <laughs> and then when he makes movies, he just doesn't do the oh, no stuff. And it's yeah. like, he subverted expect. Like, he's just really idiosyncratic, basically, rather yeah, than he, advanced thoughtful in that particular well, way. Yeah, and I, I think he, he just has very, very specific taste and is just, it, it bothers him when characters know how to speak German in World War II movies. He's mm-hmm. just that kind of guy, so he didn't do it in his. Yeah. Like, uh, That's wild. For me, I, I feel like um, the, I don't know that this is really a trope, but the thing that I have observed that I'm trying to subvert is... I feel like whenever you see characters in like dreamscapes, it's usually an excuse to do something. Like in Inception, it's like murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, they're not real. Uh, <laughs> uh, or it's like you know, or is it, or in the Matrix where it's murder. <laughs> um, uh, I just a, want to share a tweet that I wrote recently, oh, if that's okay. I, I love if, that. if, if you can share the tweet, I want to share something in response to Is It a Romantic real quick. Okay. okay. Yeah. My, my tweet was, uh, uh, if you die in the game, you die for real, sneered the cyberpunk through his lip ring, as if I didn't already know the rules of Russian roulette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think I liked that tweet. I yeah, think I remember hitting that, hitting that heart. Thank you. Yeah. A little bit of a downer off of that. Um... Isn't it romantic? Is the exact opposite of a movie. I, my first screenplay, still time or still life, hmm. um, whatever I fucking a, called it. It's a schlubby woman. A, no, a male president. A man. <laughs> a man wakes up from a coma, realizes it all sucks, and kills himself. 
Oh, I was thinking. Oh, oh golly. Oh, golly. That's a, that's a Mars Volta album right there. That That's also what I was listening to a lot of. Yeah. Anyway. Anyhow, the the thing... To <laughs> <laughs> continue, the, bounce off of that. Yeah, the, the thing I'm, I'm trying to not do is, you know, um, just kind of use the, the, the dreaminess. Excuse me. Uh, the thing I'm trying not to do is, is to sort of use the dreaminess as an excuse to do whatever sci-fi action-y stuff I want to do and make it always be about the people and their subconscious and uh, in a very, very direct, literal way where like everything that they're doing and encountering is just something that's directly tied to one of them and the movie would be five minutes long if any of them had gone to therapy. <laughs> um, That's a good tagline. Yeah. For the poster. Yeah. <laughs> the movie would be five minutes long. <laughs> if only for therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, I, you know, I feel like when Inception came out, there was a lot of jokes about, like, oh, everyone should be naked, or, you know, they should be, the whole movie should have taken place on the first day of school, and they didn't remember, they don't know what classroom they're in or whatever, and, you know, it's like. Just dumb shit. Yeah, like dream stuff, but uh, yeah. I do genuinely think Inception would have been way better if, like, any of the stuff they were doing had to do with who they are and as people and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind of your critical response. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that you? You wanted Inception to make it more character driven in terms of. The well, make of make the act. make the dreamy stuff like. I, I love the idea of doing kind of action-y sci-fi yeah. stories where the stakes are, instead of it being like, the star's going to explode or we'll go to limbo, it's like, I have to finally talk to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it contact. It seems yeah. more like it's about environment, maybe. Yeah, well, and actually, the uh, a show that I've, was, I've been pretty inspired by in writing this is the Netflix show Maniac, which my, my when I get, try and get people to watch Maniac, I say it's Inception if instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, like, being a thief he just was doing this to avoid talking to his mom <laughs> so he's like made a machine that lets you see people's dreams just because like he doesn't want to call his mom <laughs> oh my god that's great it's the, yeah it's and i, and I, I thought that I, I really loved watching that show for that very reason i was like oh like this, yeah this is way better like it's yeah. it's yeah okay so if, if you'll humor me i think i can talk about really quickly my i talked a little bit about it but what exactly i'm trying to subvert and then we can Go into Evan's stuff and then move on to pages. Cool. Yeah. Buy me great? some time. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, another another angle on this topic is like, do you need to subvert at all? And what, what value does subversion bring to a story? Yeah, 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 I, think, okay. I think that's worth talking about. Okay. So, uh, yeah. so I think um, with, with my screenplay, it's kind of like, there's so many movies about the guy sucks and then the, the woman's like all stuck up or whatever. And then uh, she come, she chills out, and he, you know, gets a better job or something, and then they end up together. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like both suck, and they get better a little bit. Yeah, but the the guy always sucks way harder, and the, the what we what the screenwriter says is the woman sucking is just like them having their shit together. Yeah, yeah. Is that a '90s thing? That's a that's a '90s, 2000s, 2010s thing. That's a 1940s thing. That's been going on for as long as there's been. Okay, it's, yeah, yeah, it's basically okay. like a mythologized explanate it's 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 like a creation myth for why women are supposed to be doing all the emotional labor yeah. <laughs> along with the actual physical labor at, yeah. at the dawn of time this guy sucks because 
he doesn't wear pants and jerks off all day. <laughs> Whereas woman sucks because she doesn't want to watch the ball game. <laughs> and she never takes time for herself. She's too busy remembering everyone's birthday. <laughs> I just think of like Breaking Bad, you know, Anna yeah. Gunn's character, Skylar. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, man, Skylar fucking sucks. It's like, why? Because she doesn't want... To sell meth. To sell meth? (laughs) Yeah, but she's annoying about it. Well, yeah, wouldn't you be? Yeah, yeah. And it was such a great performance, too. And it's like, it's cool to know who's sexist, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's my biggest pitfall that I'm worried about. And I think the way that I'm trying to make it different is to be like, to show more real change. And to show like dramatically what the consequences are of not changing Mm -hmm. and also to make uh sammy's journey like not the same journey that we've seen you know the katherine heigl's and the katherine hepburn's take Mm -hmm. you know where it's just like she goes from being a stuck-up bitch to being a less stuck-up bitch (laughs) (laughs) it's it's actually like no she's got a real issue she needs to deal with yeah. and she deals with it by going to therapy so, and so facing impossible odds a lot of it is adding a third dimension to the female character yeah. which yeah. is funny because one of the, when I read back on what I had written for like the first few pages of the still time I realized I was embarrassed by the fact that Rebecca's introduction was like two sentences and Steve's was like a paragraph so I went back and I was like okay even this out because that's just unfair you know, it just does it doesn't do justice to to the other characters and the fact that like it's basically about adding that third dimension and giving a shit enough to know their flaws and quirks. Yeah, yeah and it's and it's it's as part of the first draft thing is oh, like yeah. you know going back and figuring out where your blind spots are mm-hmm. and, and you know I going off of what you were saying I, I feel like another thing that I've seen with a lot of these types of movies the schlubby guy step bitch movies <laughs> is like. You know, her transformation is realizing he's good. And his transformation is like telling her that he will improve at some point. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. like the big climax is him going, Listen, listen, I, I will get a job. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. Yeah. And it, like versus you know, we're a long way from Act Three, but like, you know, you you have put in like, like I am, I'm really stoked to see Greg turn into an actual hero. Yeah. Like, you know, having having him like go from being, you know, a a sort of, I mean, a literally like mythologized level of not having his shit together to like <laughs> actually like fighting off like hordes of you know like like that's yeah. that's that's it's gonna mean so much more to have started yeah. here and then end up here there. Yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely, with your pages, taking your time with Greg's transition from being schlubby to schmubby. Yeah. Schlubby to schmubby. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not at the midpoint yet. You know? No, yeah. but I, I definitely think that you're, you're developing it in an organic way, which is nice. Yeah. But let's not talk about my pages just yet. Let's talk about what Evan wants to subvert. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and what role does subversion play? Um, let's see here. So I, the first thing I thought of when you brought up subversion was that a few weeks back you had mentioned that I should be looking for ways to subvert expectations. And off of that note, I have been, you know, and I realized that um, this, this, this movie is a little bit built on it because so many romantic dramedies are built on, like, that, that anti-drama of, who, oh, they're going to wind up together. Let's just casually watch and see how it lines up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, I, I'm looking for more to be that's more about their their independent growth and then how that like they they move together at the very very end. You right. know, like that that last moment is the only second that you have of them any sort of like romantic interaction. Right. Instead right. of it being the the entire arc built in that '90s 2000 way, it's it, for me it's that that subversion is very very important. I'm trying to figure out where to go with that. I guess. Right. Um, but what's the other thing that I was thinking about is that, and we mentioned this before we started recording, but um, it's it's great that you saw Longshot is coming out and you didn't get butt hurt by it. You know, it's it's that idea that the you you become a better writer by getting to know what's come before you or what what is similar, especially and what is similar coming out, so that you can look at it and be like, well. Personally, my taste. I prefer this to happen. I prefer this to happen. And you go back to the go back to the typewriter and you fucking do that. Right. You know, and and it's a French New Wave thing, if I remember right. You know, where where they were. Uh, where you make movies to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. No, that was Dogma ninety five. No. no. Um, <laughs> I ye. Um, but it's it's definitely that thing where it's like the best way to, to be a film critic is to make your own movies mm-hmm. you know and I think a big part of that is built on subversion and a big part of that is built on creating those beats and taking the time to develop the characters and kind of have the uh, the emotional arc you know be more important than the plot arc I right guess. Um, just really quick one thing when you brought up the whole uh, their only moment together is at the very end yeah the movie that that made me think of, and I'm sure you've probably seen it, yeah, Eternal Sunshine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In Eternal Sunshine, they spend the whole movie basically not being together while being together. Yeah, falling apart. Yeah, and then <laughs> the last moment is Jim Carrey uh, going there he is again, <laughs> just going like, "Well, so what if this is what happens to us?" Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And then that's the he's arced just in the course of erasing his memories, you know. Right. And uh, your characters are for a very different reason. It's right. because their lives are changing. Right. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I, mean, I would turn to, turn to Sunshine. I'd see what Sunshine yeah. says. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I have it. I'll, I'll look oh, into it. I haven't seen the movie in ages. Maybe time yeah. to rewatch. The last time I watched it, I was putting together a director's reel. So mm-hmm. I was, like, pausing it constantly, pulling shots and shit, and it took, like, four hours for a two-hour movie. So mm-hmm. I haven't just sat down and watched that fucker in a long time. I would love to see Mark Ruffalo not be the Hulk in something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I, I think subversion is real important, um, yeah. especially when it comes to making the idea work in an interesting way that isn't boring. You know, because, yeah. because we are at that point in cinema where we have, what, at least 120 years on this thing, where it's, it's starting the... And it's moved so much quicker because it's happened in the 20th century, you know, right. where it's like... The, the art form of cinema has almost lived an entire lifetime in a hundred years and we're already hitting postmodernism. You know, where yeah. we're already, you know, doing that, like, response thing that uh, is just weird. And I think the internet accelerated that with all the jokes and shit that are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like, oh my god. We're already at that point with cinema where we're critiquing it and we're... What? Yeah, I feel like... Subverting it. Oh my god. I feel like what's happening in cinema now is like, and this is not the podcast for this, <laughs> I feel like we're at this weird point where, uh, like, the movies that are being made are being made to preemptively address the criticism. Yeah. Because, like, there is so much movie criticism now. It, mm-hmm. like, 
the the platform for people who are mad about a movie is used to be like their friends the street corner yeah <laughs> and now it's like millions of people and i feel like i i saw a movie which shall not be named last night nice that uh you know is gonna be the biggest movie ever or whatever but like i i felt like the whole movie was the studio preemptively addressing fan concerns and i do not feel like i mean the fans are gonna fucking love it i'll say that i don't think it worked i don't think in 20 years anyone's gonna be into that movie because it's like if you weren't active on the forums now i don't think the movie works because you don't yeah yeah it's you're like, not part of the greater conversation it doesn't yeah. stand alone as as a work of art the way that yeah. other that movies tried to be you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i i think for me the biggest concern is commercialization but that, 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 enough, yeah. enough talk about enough talk yeah let's, 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 Evan, let's hear let's talk about your pages what okay. what uh what were you trying to accomplish with these 16 pages and how do you feel like you did and, um, uh, yeah. all that shit mm-hmm. um, with these pages I was done for number one changing what we talked about last time in terms of like Steve's work situation mm-hmm. um, and I just when I sat down to, and thought about it I just felt like it needed more drama it needed a little bit more of an edge to it mm-hmm. uh, and so I fired Steve mm-hmm. you know right. just, just to see what's gonna happen instead of it having being him like looking for another job and his you know and that competition thing where it's now it's more of Dale being like, yo dog, you're, you're getting cut from the team, but I'm going to try and help you out anyway. Purely technical question. Yeah. Uh, is Steve going to get the ESPN job or is he going to end up working at the brewery? What's more interesting then? I know what I think, but I, I want to, I want to, I want to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to hear you finish your, your, your talk about the pages before we even get into okay. my, my opinions on anything. I would, I would second what Silas said. Okay. Um, for, for me, it's always been that he gets the ESPN job. Mm-hmm. Um, I have toyed with and tossed several times the idea of him getting the job at the brewery. Um, but it, I, I definitely have to sit down and think about that trajectory for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I don't know, I just it seems too convenient in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I definitely changed this to be more severe. Um, and I think that's the key to it, is that, like, you have to dip farther below, you know. You have to have more on that arc for him to like for that new job, whatever it might be, to be more rewarding. Right. Is that you have to have that drop, and so, you know, it's it's something that is the reason why he's at the. Um, oh, sorry, it, and that's kind of the reason why, he is at that bar so early mm-hmm. is that he's already like down on it because that's basically happening on the same day, um, and but the fact that. Rebecca's there, and like they, like Cosmo and Lena off screen basically just told my friends Colin said okay, but but the reason why they're getting together in the first place is he's because he bombed in the by himself. Right. Um, so then you after that you got these two mammoth scenes. I know. You got <laughs> a four page scene yeah. at the brewery, and then you got a bam, 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 seven and a half page uh-huh. scene of Barney's Beanery. Yeah. Well done, my man. Uh, you were worried about short scenes before. Yeah, right? yeah, that's, that's that's my that's my critical response to, to having short scenes. Right. Um, uh, what were you trying to accomplish with the uh, brewery scene and the Barney scene, and how do you feel like you did? Um, I was trying to establish a number one, establish Lena's character. Number mm-hmm. two, establish a more professional side to Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And number three, um, have Rebecca feel lost. Right. 
um, and kind of unsure of her trajectory, mm-hmm. um, which is why you have her like getting lost in the uh, par- you know the the business park and then getting lost in the brewery and just being like you know not being completely overwhelmed and unsure by the by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really wanted to. Yeah, just kind of develop the character a little more and drive the story forward by having it be that interview, have it be that time where... So you finally get to see these characters interact with someone other than Steve and how they interact with, like, a stranger, basically. Right. Um, I have a question for you that might sound a little severe. It's not supposed yes. to, but uh, I've been thinking this since I uh, read, like, the earlier drafts. Yeah. Why are Cosmo and Lena so eager to help Rebecca? Did, they, they don't know her, right? But they just... They put out an ad for a social media manager, presumably. Yeah. Probably 500 people apply. Yeah. And then they just break their backs to get Rebecca. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of curious, like, what what stands out about her to them? Well, I, I think part of that is that the first interview scene needs to be stronger. Okay. I think that is a fundamental thing to it. Is that, that that first interaction between Lena and Rebecca is kind of the thing where it's like they really hit it off and it's their friendship where like Lena more than anything is like impressed by her work but also wants to keep Rebecca around as a friend. Where it's just right. like they they had that spark, they had that moment, and I feel like that's just underwritten, you know, because it's and because it should be that at this point you understand why they're like, oh shit, let's let's get her together, let's get together with this person and make magic happen. Right. Um, but because that that first interaction between Lena and Rebecca doesn't quite work yet hmm. i think that's kind of core and key to it right um, it, it'd be interesting because you know one of the i think the, the the most defining thing that we know about rebecca at this point is that mm-hmm. she really isn't sure what's coming next for her yeah and she Steve, right otherwise and uh i think it's it's i think there's a really interesting tension you could be playing with if it's like you know on paper rebecca shouldn't be the best candidate like she you know she has an undergraduate degree in graphic design but you know she doesn't have much of a portfolio she right. doesn't have but if there was some defining quality about her character yeah which is going to be you know the focus of her arc over mm-hmm. the next 60 pages and that quality is the thing that gets her the job like mm-hmm. you know for example this isn't has does nothing to do with your story but for example if rebecca like is really really funny yeah and that's her defining characteristic is that she can always make anybody laugh and Mm -hmm. she diffuses every situation with comedy yeah then she's kind of blowing the interview and she says something really really funny and then from that point on her dynamic with lena is is lena or lena lena Lena. her dynamic with lena is i like you because you make me laugh and then that gets to be the thing that gets challenged yeah or another version of that would be, uh, you know, you know, Rebecca loves honey baked ham, and that is her defining <laughs> characteristic. Right, yeah, she yeah, brings yeah, honey yeah. baked ham to the interview. She she she's about to walk out the door. They're like, "Get out of here! We don't like this interview." And she's like, "All right, I guess I'll just go eat some honey baked ham." And they're like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> I said, "I'm gonna head out." No, before that, did you say honey baked ham? Like, oh my god, my mother was a honey-baked ham. <laughs> and, then, and then that becomes the, like, she's the honey-baked ham lady, and, and then, you know, her journey becomes, I didn't, if I don't, 
if I just define myself as the honey baked ham lady, mm-hmm. in 20 years from now, I'm just going to be the honey baked ham lady. And that's not where I want to be in 20 years. Yeah. I want to be the roast beef lady. I want to be the beef stroganoff lady. And I'm never going to get there uh-huh. as long as I am just surrounded by people who only want me to be the honey baked ham lady. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that having Rebecca make it in the lap. I think that's strong. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's one possibility. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something to sit on. It's, it's got to be what it, whatever Rebecca is going to struggle against for the yeah. next, whatever that characteristic is, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is going to kick her ass at the end of Act 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be so, the thing. I'll figure it out. I'm not going backwards right now. Mm. You know, that's kind of the thing. Is yeah. like, the, this scene is in the past right now. I have right. to put, I have to put that, that fence post behind me so I can keep building forward. Right. But, I think I'm gonna continue, regardless of how that, that that scene functions. No matter how it sucks, it functions right now. Yeah. You know, and and I think it's gonna get better only when I finish this and can, yeah. and can go back and be like, oh, this is what's gonna pay off, and this is how she is. Totally, and and the feedback is not with the intention of go back and change this. Yeah. The the intention is. This is how it's being. This perceived. is how it's scanned mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, and, yeah and that's, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Not severe at all, Peter. Yay, I'm not severe. Ma. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the goal with that scene. And then when it comes to, to the other one with, with uh, being at Barney's for eight minutes, it's it's a matter of developing the dynamic and right. developing where it kind of speeds at with everything. Um, and just kind of having them interact. Right. You know, where I've had all these short scenes and like having this long longer Cassavetes type scene which just kind of worked as just like a anchor to everything else that's been going on right um it's probably a little too long and I, I worked out the ending that's not there okay but but Rebecca takes a job at the end of the at the end of the scene gotcha yeah yeah uh yeah what I guess before we we start jumping in like what are your what uh, what sort of feedback are you looking for for this and and is it too long and what's unnecessary maybe okay for me I, I i love a big crazy long scene like this and and i feel like if if okay. you're if what your movie is is a bunch of friends figure out how they're going to be around each other uh-huh. for the next part of their lives like yeah we were friends when we're kids we're not kids anymore and we need to figure out what that means yeah I mean, this is the scene where Rebecca and Steve meet each other for the first time as adults. Right, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of why it's so important. This is the first scene of the rest of the movie, and I I don't think that having a gigantic scene with uh, just these... These are. This is who the rest of the movie is going to be about. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna hear. We're gonna figure out every dynamic that's going yeah. to be important for the rest of the movie. Uh-huh. I think an eight minute scene is a great okay. thing to have in there. Yeah. One thing I will say, there is not much tension in this scene. That's true. And I don't think this needs to be a like. I don't think anyone needs to be cheating on anybody. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I don't yeah, think. But this... it still needs like a, a dramatic flair to, to be reductive. And you know? and and again, I, I think that we don't we don't need to come up f- with some reason for these characters to not get along. Uh-huh. But I think that if and this 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 if, if has a question mark at the end of it, if this movie is about the friction that happens with these personalities colliding with each other Uh that we need to it needs to be very very clear 
what is causing that friction at this point. Uh, I'll just make that note like a, like I'm a fucking professor. Just clarify. Um, and I think one thing which is... Uh, the, the thing which I noticed in particular about this scene mm-hmm. is that Rebecca and Steve pick up right where they left off. Mm-hmm. They are immediately very, very comfortable with each other. Yeah. Not necessarily a criticism. However. But... If you know, if the source of if the source of tension in the movie is will they won't they? Yeah. At this point, that tension is somewhat dissipated because it's like, oh well, probably they're, well, yeah, they're gonna right. They're gonna. They're, they're just gonna. Well, yeah. They seem to get along great, much better than her fiance. Yeah. But I think to like fight back against that. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the subversion to take it back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Is that like you get that sense of oh they're gonna be together and mm-hmm. then it's just like things continue and like oh maybe they're not. You know, right? But so there uh, needs to be the initial spark, is what you're thinking, right? Right. right. Yeah, that's what that's what Lincoln's yeah. thinking. Um, however, you know, there there is that like interstitial where she sends that picture to Jordan, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where they start to like really reconnect. And so like I, I just right. jumped ahead basically to to when they're already yeah, um, you know, talking about him, <laughs> talking about Jordan, like oh shit, yeah. you're still with that douchebag. So I think like one thing which I I think is always valuable is. You know, we look at sort of the arc of the story from yeah. far, and then you see, you know, you know what your Act 3 kind of looks like, you know what your Act 2 kind of looks like, and you sort of see all these trajectories. But I also think it's really important to zoom in on any given scene yeah. and oh, kind yeah. of treat it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, and I, and I, I say this because I am, like, the worst offender at this, but <laughs> I will know, okay, so the characters don't like each other, so that later it will mean something that they <laughs> do like each other. And then I'll write the scene, it'll be like, I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. Cut to. <laughs> Wait a minute. Nothing happens in this scene. And so I, I'll try to, something I've been trying to be disciplined about with myself is trying to treat each scene as a little mini story. Right. So, okay, what's the beginning? What's 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 our break into act two in yeah. this scene? And, and well, yeah. So, it, it, yeah. One of the things on Blake Snyder's cards was that plus minus thing yeah you know where it's like the the arc of the scene where you always want to have that like up to down or down to up depending mm-hmm. on how you want to work it yeah um i skipped that <laughs> I, was, I was just hell bent on getting those cards out but i just like i was like oh i'll come back to it i'll come back to it i never did yeah i got so. something for you that i think might be very helpful he's um, nuts n- n- no. have you ever tried a cocaine <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried writing better? <laughs> that could be every criticism that anyone gives anyone. Yeah. I mean, press stop and kick your ass. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, we're back. And we're okay. back. <laughs> I, got a, I got a big old shiner, uh, <laughs> a cartoon-shaped lump coming out of my head, um, throbbing. And but, for some reason, heart-shaped eyes going ba 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 There's a lot happened off screen. It, it really, it's not going to translate. It, it all made sense. Just, there. I, I had an acme hammer. Yeah. <laughs> but like a curvy one? <laughs> yeah. So, no, it's, um, what I was just going to say is that uh, one dynamic, so I, I agree with Silas that the scene is pivotal. It's yeah. very important. It's where the the movie really takes off, for me at least. Because uh-huh. uh, we've gotten to know these characters, we've seen their journeys, we've seen them break into different times in their lives. Yeah. But this is where it really starts to happen for them. Right, yeah. Um, one thing that I think is missing in the dynamic of the scene currently, Steve just got fired. Yeah. He probably does not want to see 
anybody right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that it's like, did, did Cosmo and Lena set up that they were going to meet Steve there? Yeah. Okay, I didn't get that. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. a chance encounter. No, I, I also thought it was okay. a chance encounter. Um, and I thought, I think that if you make it a chance encounter deliberately and play it up as like, okay, well, let me give an example. One time, I uh, was really broke and I was walking home from a movie theater for like two miles because I couldn't afford a goddamn Uber. Yeah. Um, and I ran into my recent ex. Oops. And I, I, it was like midnight and I was walking down whatever, the, Melrose or something. And uh, it was, I just looked like shit. I'd gained some weight. Uh-huh. I was all sweaty because I'd been walking briskly for whatever, half an hour. <laughs> and then uh, I saw my ex and was like, oh, fuck me. I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. So, like, if Steve is in that mindset of, yeah. like, oh, my God, I, I want to see you, but I just got fired, and I'm in yeah. an awful headspace. Well, well, here's the thing that um, is, is weird and, and is another thing that I haven't established yet is the whole video blog thing. Right. Um, and I haven't put that anywhere yet because I've, I've changed it and I've just gone forward. But he's, he's really good at turning it on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where do you just flip that switch and you're, you know, customer service face. Right. Um, and that wasn't shown earlier in this draft because I didn't know yet. Right. But it's it's definitely, like, supposed to be that you see Steve acting happily in real life and using that skill to his advantage so that he can hang out with Rebecca without being a sad sack. Right. You know, where I think it's really important that he keeps his shit together. So in, you know? in that case, I think, I think that's a great character trait and I, I think that's great because as soon as we see that play out uh-huh. we know that is a thing that will have to be dealt with later we know that's it's sort of fundamentally insustainable uh-huh. it's like an and, eighth grade you yeah know, the main character like yeah. she's putting on a face for the youtube videos mm-hmm. and then yeah. she tries to do that in real life occasionally and it just doesn't work yeah and for steve maybe it works the first time but it becomes a problem well, and, yeah, and we we know eventually it won't yeah, yeah, well, and, that's kind yeah. of the cool thing about having it be such a long scene is that it's an arc, or or in decrescendo, right. which is the, the music term for it, but it's like, get quieter, you know, have that, have that, him, himself, even, just get quieter as the scene goes on, as he starts to, like, ruminate more on it. Right. But So I think that what could, for me, that dynamic didn't scan, and I know part of that is I haven't seen the, the video blog stuff, but yeah. I think something that you could do that could make that pop more would be make it very, very clear to us the specific ways he's being disingenuous. Okay. So, because I think the, as, as this reads, I mean, and the thing which I, I do want to make very clear, this is a fun scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's fun dialogue. It's got a nice back and forth. It, it has a very sort of dreamlike quality to it um, because it's extremely long and uh, it the character's aren't really it doesn't feel like most movie scenes where there's a very definitive thing that we're moving towards steve seems very comfortable and very relaxed and very genuine he's showing his shitty tinder profile he's taking constructive feedback he's very open to criticism about his life that is joking and it's affectionate but it's you know it's real stuff yeah. that he's being criticized about. And he seems like he's taking it like a champ. It seems like he's being mature. It seems like he's being charismatic. He's like, oh, fuck you guys. He seems very confident about it. Yeah. I think that if if the story here is Steve is great at putting on a game face, but it's not what's really going on underneath, Yeah. 
Have him, have, have him lie. Or have, have him... him, like, we saw him, his car break down, and they say, like, hey, are you still driving that piece of shit? And he's like, Haha, oh, yeah, that thing, dude. It totally broke down. It's, it's, it was a really funny story, and we, like, saw him, like, crying about it before. Yeah. We well, like, I think one thing that could be cool is have, like, Right before this, you have a scene where he's in the bathroom crying, like trying to get his shit together. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. okay, 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 game face, game face. Right. You you never expected this before. Like not actually talking to himself because that's kind of tropey and stupid. But yeah. like have that moment where he like composes himself. Yeah. Basically, the the note for me is just don't hide the ball. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's if if that's what you're going for, for the first draft or two, don't yeah. bother making it subtle. Just hash out what the what the well, yeah, is. Well, yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, like yeah, I get you. For, uh, the Tinder profile thing. Like, if he just um, he, like someone says, "Oh, let's see your Tinder profile." I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that right now." Uh-huh. And then they see his pictures are good, and then he's like, "Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's enough of that." Right. Uh-huh. Then that's a very different scene than if uh, if he's just like, "Yeah, here's my Tinder profile. Maybe I'm a little too vulnerable, but whatever." You know. Uh, and then they find his his vulnerability from yeah. looking at the thing when right. he didn't want them to. And yeah. and the text of the scene is the the thing he's being criticized is you share too much. So that if that's the text, have him say like, I how, how are you doing? Like Rebecca's like how you doing, man? It's so good to see you. What what have you been up to? Uh, yes, uh... yesterday I started crying. <laughs> like have him share way too much okay. immediately in a way like if that's the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put a question mark next to Steve overshares um, okay. yeah and and then I, you know I think yeah yeah totally I, okay. I think I think I agree with Peter and I think like uh, wherever we are at at the beginning of the or wherever you want the scene to end yeah make sure we start in the opposite place yeah if, if, if the scene ends with Steve and Rebecca going like it's good to see you. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad we ran into each other. Have it be awkward at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the scene ends with like, you know, you know what? Let's just be good friends. Let's not well, get no, together. The, the, the... Then, then have him hit on her at the beginning. Yeah. And then, so, so just have it like make it flip it, baby. Well, because the what it comes down to is that it seems like it's about Steve and Rebecca, but then it turns out it's actually about Rebecca. Right. And, that, and that's kind of why I end the scene with her taking the job. Right. Is, right. is that it's less about her and Steve. Like, that's cool, but it might not lead to anything because that's how this works right. when you're adults. Right. You know, like, he's not going to walk out with his phone number, with right. her phone number or anything. He's not going to have any contact with her after this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's more about Rebecca, Cosmo, and Lena making that connection and him maybe gaining a little bit of hope because of that connection. Right. Um, if, if you can allow me to... Uh, to to jump on that a little bit sh- i think it's like he they're having this i think that having them in having cosmo and lena invite steve undercuts that oh, if it's okay. a chance encounter yeah then it's like uh oh my god we were just gonna have this job interview here but steve it's so great to see you uh let's yeah intercede in our moment right you know and then uh and then it becomes more of what you're looking for okay. which is that it's Cosmo and Lena and Rebecca having okay. their, their moment. So, and Steve just feels feels like shit because he's yeah. like, I already feel like garbage, and now I'm breaking up this whole moment for them, and breaking I, I have to leave. Yoko. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I, I'll just I'll just lean into what you guys already thought it was. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so one one question that I have is, uh, so I've been kind of guessing at what 
the the big idea is with Rebecca and Steve and, and yeah. sort of what we have to learn from these two characters. Hashtag me please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, yeah. it's fine if you're also figuring this out. But, yeah, I mean, first draft. Yeah. First yeah. draft, exactly. Um, I'd, I'd say that whatever you ultimately, whenever you sort of have a really clear idea of this movie is about X, uh-huh. you're probably going to have to go back and rewrite everything that was not written with that conviction or that intention. Thing. Yeah. So, you know, and then this is, and this is your process. I think yeah. for, for me, I would just try, like I would, I would just say to myself, like the movie is about Steve thinking he's need belongs with Rebecca and realizing that he's actually kind of fucking her life up or, yeah. The movie's about discovery. You know, just I would like choose something mm-hmm. and then choose a trajectory and shoot the arrow. And like And if the arrow misses, then you're like, oh, I guess I'll choose another trajectory. Right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, um But again, like you and I write so differently. Yeah, yeah. And the things that are helpful for me to get the pages out are super different from the things that are helpful for you to get pages out. And if any of that is going to make you write less pages. It's yeah, that's the, that's honestly the thing is I already like fret and worry over every single fucking word. Right. So it's like uh, it's it's just easier for me to go organically with right. it, and and in the knowledge that everything will change in the second draft, which right. is fucking phenomenal. Right. You know because <laughs> it's it's great and it's freeing. Yeah. You know where it's just like everything will change and it'll be better right. because of the feedback that I've been getting and because of just how I've grown it right. you know grown it through that process where it's just like right now it's so much more with this draft about character discovery right you know and i'm still because i'm still in that phase really where i never discovered characters you know? right i'm just this this podcast forced me to fucking get on my horse and start writing you know? yeah. just, just whip that ass and start going yeah yeah um well in that case I, I don't think that was very good advice i think well yeah i i accept your note well but, but <laughs> I, I think like like yeah, a- anything that will make there be less pages is bad advice. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, so so I, I yeah, here's, that's that's helpful. That's helpful for me to hear. Yeah, that, yeah. If if I were you, here's how I would take the note. Okay. Um, in in I, I don't understand exactly what's in your head, but based on what I've seen from your writing and your style and everything, what seems to be the thing that makes the most sense to me uh, is where if if you kind of surrender control a little bit and just say like I have to write it according to this idea, yeah. to me, that's freeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, I've like, just been living off the outline at this point, you know? Yeah, and if you know that, like, you're like, okay, my end goal is going to be, this is a story about this specific dynamic. Yeah. Honey Baked Ham, for example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have to write Honey Baked Ham into every scene, yeah. then you're like, okay, well, they're they're paying for it, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, then you just, uh... What, if the biggest sponsor by Honey Baked Ham? Then, uh... What if but it's delicious? <laughs> <laughs> then you know you just kind of it's it's like aiming high when you're driving. You know yeah. if you're versus driving scene, high when you're aiming. All right, <laughs> <laughs> the old Reddit switcheroo. Right. If you look at what's directly in front of you, yeah. to me that's it's harder to yeah. do that than to see like here's the horizon that I'm really? aiming for and just kind of like weave towards it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope that was helpful. If it wasn't, the, I I feel like I I definitely. Right with blinders on. 
Mm. Um, and she's like, that's the path in front of me. Let's see where this fucker goes. You know what I mean? You know, it's interesting. And I, this, I think this would be a good discussion question for another week. Uh, that is how Quentin Tarantino writes. Really? Yeah, he. I was. I've been listening to a lot of interviews with him recently. The YouTube algorithm is weird, but uh, he he says that in his opinion, it is irresponsible to plan beyond the midpoint. All right, Quentin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which, like, to me, I think that is fucking buck wild. <laughs> but yeah. he's he's a pretty good writer. Yeah. He's written a lot of really juicy movies that I enjoy, so I, I certainly cannot uh, slam his product. Yeah. Like like the, I, I can't I can't argue with his results. I don't think that would work for me. No, I, I can't. I, I'm I'm getting agitated just fucking thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, I'm sorry. That's just how <laughs> that that's what makes this podcast fun. Is that both of you guys are really like plot heavy and shit. And I'm just over here going fucking around. This is I mean this this fight is. Tarantino might be... I mean, this is the anti-Tarantino. Like, this is the one movie he could never write. Uh-huh. But, uh... There's a lot of movies he could never write. <laughs> this, is, this is the epitome of the stuff that he cannot tackle. Yeah. Uh, but, in a weird way, Tarantino might be a guy you should pay attention to. Oh, yeah. In the sense that I think your process and his process are much more similar than your process and my process yeah. or Peter's process. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's just like, I just need to stop feeling embarrassed about it. You know what I mean? Well, the, I mean, yes, that's true. <laughs> shame is very powerful. I mean, that's it's, true. It's I should use it as a motivator. Uh, well, actually, uh, interesting, my wife just read a book about shame, and apparently uh, there's sort of a trifecta of negative emotions that affect behavior in a really dramatic way, which is guilt, humiliation, and shame. Which psychologically are categorized as very different things, and guilt and humiliation are very productive. Hmm. They're actually like in a way they're positive emotions because they tend to drive, drive us to. towards betterment in some way, or at least they have the potential to do so. Shame does not really have any positive social. That's true. Uh, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't mean. To. Yeah, well, actually, okay. Peter, that very sincere thing you just said. Yeah, no, no, um, it's, it's, that's actually very interesting. I'd be curious to talk to you about that later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I listen. My, the whole goal of this podcast for me was to to get them pages. Yeah. And just to to get writing and be talking about it and. But. Uh, if there is ever an aspect of this podcast that feels shameful instead of supportive, that's a really important thing to talk about. Yeah. Because that's the podcast not working. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's working. Because I'm just, I'm, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I think is right for this first draft. Yeah. It's like, shit. And I, and I love the feedback I'm getting because I know it's going to inform that next draft so, so much. Yeah. But, but at the same time, this is going to be the longest first draft of my life. Uh, they're usually about 55 pages or so, and that's mm. about when I crap out. Right. So I'm already at 41, and I have a shitload to go, so I'm just like, yeah. all right, I'm already going. You know, that's good. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, nice. To close out my section, what happens next? Like, I want to follow Steve, and I want to do another Steve video scene next. Right. However, I want your feedback on what should happen next. And then we'll follow it up with the brewery or the ESPN question, get your feedback on that. Right. So I got an immediate answer. Uh, 
so the the B story in any screenplay is uh-huh. the story through which the main character or characters uh, explore the theme of the movie mm-hmm. without interacting with the other main character, basically. And in my script, it's very clear that the B stories are Greg and his trainer, Miguel, and Sammy and her therapist, Judy. Right. Um, and I think for you, you're, you're getting right towards what it could be, which is uh, how Steve has his life outside of Rebecca, Lena, and Cosmo, uh-huh. and how uh, she had, Rebecca has her life with Lena and Cosmo, right. away from Steve. Uh-huh. So those are your kind of like, th- that's how you can follow these characters and give yeah. them something to do yeah. um, in a way that advances the characters, and, but doesn't really focus on the main story. It right. gives them their arcs, but it's not the well, story. The, the way the scene works is that he's, he, the, the way that I've been thinking about it is that he gets paperwork in the mail from his job mm-hmm. that day, right as he's about to hit record and, like, gets himself all game-faced and then gets the shit in the mail and, like, gets all huffy about it or kind of upset because it's just, like, reminding him he doesn't have a fucking job, tosses it, goes back and does the thing, you know, goes back and does the video. But as he's recording the video, too, his phone's on silent and Dorden texts him, like, hey, is this still your number? You know, Rebecca, you or me and Rebecca should go do something later. And then it jumps to them playing miniature golf. So that's kind of the that's kind of what I was thinking because you already have Rebecca, you know, not not by herself yet actually, hmm. except at towards the the you know page thirteen she's watching the horses, yeah. and and earlier than that when she's in college at the marsh, but you don't really have her by herself. So maybe like a solo scene, solo scene, mini golf scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how I would do it, but yeah. that's that's just how I would do it. That's yeah, that's that's not like a good rhythm to like add something with Rebecca that's like Rebecca by herself, um, just to kind of develop the character because that's where we're at right now. Yeah. yeah, and and critically, we need to know when nobody is watching who these people are, how specifically this encounter with Steve has affected her. Right. And whatever we see her doing by herself immediately after this eight page. Barney's Beanery scene informs whatever she does is what effect that had on her. Right. If this has made her question her relationship with Jordan, she's going to go have a fight with Jordan. Yeah. If this made her feel nostalgic for her past, she's going to go look at her yearbook. If this made her really hungry for Honey Baked Ham, she's going to break that freezer open and get that <laughs> ham, baby. No, like, I, uh, I think it could be something as simple as like her driving and then crying a little bit or like yeah. that kind of thing. That would mean or that laughing. it made her sad to yeah, see Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, just kind of that realization of like, oh, it, it could have, you know, bring, yeah. she's just somehow visually representing all of the emotions that have been brought up by the shit. Right. And I feel like it should go Rebecca, then Steve the next day. Or Steve Day, and then Rebecca immediately after the the, the eight-pager. Like, right. It was that night for her, and then for Steve, like a couple of days later, like that advances... Having him get something in the mail from his work kind of advances the timeline of it and pushes it towards a few days afterwards. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I want. So I think I'll go Rebecca that night and then Steve a few days later. Sure, that makes sure. sense. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, getting to the, the question of where Steve is going to work, um, this sort of gets to the sort of the big idea. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like, for me, I, I know very clearly what I think is is the the more interesting choice. Yeah. 
but the correct choice is the one that addresses the big idea. Yeah. And and even if, like, so so it, it really it really depends on that. Um, yeah, that's true. If Steve takes the ESPN job, yeah, that means so so the the let's talk about what this really means. Yeah, the ESPN job is Steve following his dreams. That's what that is. Right. He loves baseball. It's fucking ESPN. <laughs> yeah. He's wanted to work there since he was a little boy. I guarantee it. The yeah, man yeah. loves baseball. Yeah. The brewery job is Steve trying to get closer to Rebecca. That is what that means. Oh, yeah, see? And, and unless, I, you, unless you have it happen late. You know what I like mean? Like in the story? Yeah, like if you have it happen towards the third act, where like that's kind of the last and final thing that he goes to the brewery, it, it wouldn't be. But you're definitely correct in that, that like, if, if anywhere in that second act he gets that job at the brewery, it's just like, it's over. It's, and that's why he's taking that job. Like, we know he has like, a thing for Rebecca. Right. So if Steve accepts the job at the brewery, when ESPN is being talked about, that is him turning down a pretty sizable career opportunity yeah. to get closer to Rebecca. Now, to me, I don't know if this is a story about a guy fucking up his life. Right, and I don't, I don't yeah. think that's a choice that Steve would make, honestly. I think right. Steve would go smart. Right. I mean, fuck, dude, it's ESPN. It's, right. It's a, it's a sports network. It's what, what he wants to do. So in that case, I think you have a glistening, juicy scene. Honey baked ham. You have a honey, like, <laughs> fresh out of the oven, honey baked ham <laughs> of a scene yeah. where Steve gets the papers for ESPN and he's like looking at the application and he's like filling it out and then he somehow gets it he gets a text from from Cosmo and he's like hey man I'm really sorry to hear that you lost your job just so you know if you ever need to work you can always come to the brewery and we'll find a spot for you and we see him make this decision and he knows exactly what that means Uh, it's do I advance my life or do I go for this girl right and if if he if he takes the ESPN job, that's what the movie is about. Yeah, and it's about him like working towards it or not. No, it's about him not going, going after for Rebecca. Rebecca. Oh, and the, and the yeah. plot is once upon a time, a guy at his lowest point had an opportunity to get back with his college Girl. crush. Yeah, and he fucking didn't do it. Yeah, I Why? think that's a strong choice. That's the story. Yeah, like, I think it's a strong choice because of the the, the sports network. Right. Um, but I'm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, okay. I think okay. that if, if he goes to the brewery I'm... job, then it's just like, okay, then it's they just have the they have a bunch of scenes together, right? And I we just... see this the story progressing in a yeah, I, predictable I, arc. And that's yeah. kind of what I felt too. But the reason why like I kept kind of tapping back into that doesn't get a job at the brewery mm-hmm. thing was number one convenience. Um, that's just a little bit easier to just have him do that. But also with the ESPN thing, it feels like too much of a dream. It feels too great. You could always make it suck. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It could always go bad. That's true. Yeah, it could always go haywire, especially for Steve. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking all the way back to the working title of this movie, Yeah. still time. There's still time to do one of the two things, Yeah. and only one. Yeah. Uh, If he chooses one, he must neglect the other until... He becomes Synthesis Man in Act 3 <laughs> and finds a way to have both. Right. Uh, which is your ending moment of your movie is them const- like having this this moment together, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like a juicy lowest point would be Steve's boss says like, listen, I think you have a lot of potential. 
but you have to step up. You, I need you to put in more hours. I need you to like focus on your job more. You seem distracted. And Steve's like, fuck you, I quit. I'm going to go earn twelve fifty an hour at the brewery and be close to the cute girl. Like, that's a moment where the audience would be like, no, <laughs> don't do it. You don't, don't do it. Do it. Do it. It's, yeah. it's your dream. What are you doing? Yeah. Fuck. Like, I don't want that. He's going to fuck up his whole life for oh this chick. Like, um, yeah. That's, that's nuts. Um, oh, yeah, I totally got you on this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm basically done. Yeah. Uh, I haven't hit the stop button or anything yet, but we are at about an hour and 14 minutes. Um, it's 10, 15 at night. You've got to work. Do we want to break this up into like a second one that we just sew together? Or do um, we want to just fucking go for it and see how long we can... I think we can... I don't have many questions about mine. Yeah, I, I think... I, this felt really, really productive to me. Yeah. I feel like this is a, a really valuable use of our time. Okay. Um, I am totally fine going pretty light in these okay. with, yeah. with my new beers. Okay. Yeah. Then let's... Uh... Great work, Evan. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah this is... Uh... These are really good scenes. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're getting to the good shit. I'm really nice. excited. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, beer. Yeah, so... I wrote some more pages. I fixed the previous pages, I think. Um, and uh, I basically what I wanted to accomplish here, I was really worried about a couple of these scenes when I saw them in my outline and I saw that they were coming up. Um, I, I described it uh, to a friend as like, uh, th- this is kind of like a double backflip of a scene when I talked about the second Sammy and Judy scene. Yeah. The first scene where Sammy meets Judy, you know, has had some stuff that I needed to iron out. The second one was, uh, we learn who Sammy really is. We establish a threat of what this world is like. Yeah. And also it's kind of funny. And also it passes the Bechdel test. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it accomplishes a lot of things. It's a good-ass scene. For sure. I, I think I, I, I did pretty well with it. Yeah. I accomplished most of what I wanted to accomplish. It's the last scene in, in these pages. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. The other scene I was worried about was uh, the scene that was in my outline. It was just written as, Greg gives Sammy a magical mystery tour of L.A. Yeah, actually. Uh, which I condensed down to being in two locations. Yeah. One, which is just, you know, this where the scene starts. And then the other one is where they're in the Children's Museum. Yeah. Uh, I was worried about that because, uh, same thing, it has to be funny. It has to show them appreciating something in the other person. Uh, not like falling in love yet, but this is like the love scene. The scene yeah. where they first identify, like, oh, maybe you're not complete garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, uh, it just needed to show more deeply who Greg is and who Sammy is and why they would find these things right. identifiable in each other. Um, and I hope I did that one okay. I feel like I'm not quite as confident in that one. Um, with that one, I feel like you you did really well with their dynamic, for sure. Um, that, that whole rhythm, that, that whole drumbeat thing that they do is really cool. It's really cute. I, I absolutely love it, but... The, the thing that I felt really made this scene clunk was the, the vocalization of it. It's like, fuck, shit, shit, you know? That, that was my favorite part. <laughs> you could go right to hell. Yeah! No, that was, like, that was the one thing about it. I was like, oh, this is a little overwhelming. You know what I mean? But, so, uh, have you ever seen the YouTube video Keyboard Kid? Oh, yeah, no, the, the, Derek. Uh, Derek Comedy? Derek Comedy, yeah. Yeah, where it's a, a kid has a keyboard of samples 
and it's just a bunch of like cool all right and it's just his own voice saying yeah, these yeah, things yeah. and he presses a, a key and makes that sound uh i basically was inspired by that and the idea was that when the symbiote people come to greg to record him they're like all right say say some stuff so people can have your voice recorded for posterity and he's just like i don't want to do that they're like mm-hmm. no but say something though and then right. what he says is fuck shit asshole yeah yeah, yeah, Lick yeah my okay. butt. whatever yeah yeah um yeah, so I, I also think this is a great scene. Um, the in, the thing that I particularly liked about this scene was the turn where it gets sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where the, she hits the key that's like, where he sounds scared. Yeah. And it feels, I, I mean, they're literally in a museum about what a piece of shit he is. And he is being pretty funny and cool. Like, it's a very confident, cool thing to do to bring someone to the museum of what a piece of shit you are. Yeah. And, like, the idea of him accidentally finding a way to humiliate himself in there is, like, really sad. And, and it, it's, a, it's a genuine bummer. Um, and I think that, for me, that's the gasoline in this scene, is that moment where it's, like, that, that cuts through his bravado and his, oh, I don't give a shit about anything. It's showing that he's in actual pain. Right, and, 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 and just the cruelty of them publishing that yeah. really affected me. That, like... They're, they got this audio clip of him, like, sounding scared and frustrated. And they were just like, all right, let's go in the museum. Like, it, that's what he sounds like, that, all right. Yeah, that, that's him. That's him. It sounds like Steve not handling conflict healthily. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the two things in this scene that were... Um, I don't, That felt unclear to me, or, or felt underdeveloped. The, the thing about it just being swear words is obviously that's the funniest way to go. Um, it's also a children's museum. Well, that, that's also funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll buy it. it. I'll, I'll run with it. On the page, it didn't scan for me the, the scene that you described with them being like, what would you like to say for posterity? That didn't uh, come across. And so as a result, it felt like it felt a little bit out of character because my sense was that they was like they didn't ask permission. They just like caught him out in the wild. And I was like, he doesn't seem like someone who cusses constantly. Like, that's not yeah. my sense of him. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's something that an actor could make very clear. Like, if it, like, and actually, this is a weird thing, but you put an exclamation point after all of the phrases. And if there was a period, I think if he was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Like, in a way that, that almost might make it clearer yeah, what the context was. Over enunciated um, for kids. Uh, but, like... Or if there was one key that was like, uh, here, I'll give you something for that record. Like, or if there, yeah, no, no. yeah, not necessarily that important. And again, an actor would make that very clear what the context was. Um, this is something that definitely doesn't need an origin story. Uh, this is a this is a Sammy thinking that this is hysterical is new information about her character. Hmm. It's not something that everybody would find immediately funny. And it's not something that we have seen her... It's not the sort of thing we've seen her laugh at up until this point. She hasn't laughed at anything. She hasn't laughed at anything, yeah. um, So there's two uh, possibilities that I can see. One, this is just new information about her character, and this is how we find out about it. And we watch this scene and we think... Cool. She she laughs at the word lick my ear. She laughs at lick my asshole. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's her that's her taste in comedy. Yeah. There we go. Um, she, that's how you know she doesn't have a symbiote. Uh, and 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 she, and she is. We have seen her swear. That's that's how they find each other. Um, 
the other thing is, you know, plant, like, have her just be, like, when she's talking to Judy, is it's Judy, right? Her therapist? Yeah, yeah. When she's talking to Judy, have her, like, intentionally cuss enough a storm to sort of see if she can get a rise out of Judy or something like that, where, like, give us a little breadcrumb that leads yeah. to this moment. Um, another possibility would be, uh, like, I mean, you, you could, instead of having it be, like, fucking shit, like my asshole, have it be, like, just, like, weird. Like, if, like, if instead of it's, like, fuck, 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 if, if he was, like, uh... Bread, 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 bread. Yeah, like, um, uh, uh, you kids, like, listen to me, kids, you're never gonna get to watch The Honeymooners! <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Like, but see if see if you can watch South Park before you print. Like, like if it was just like before it gets wiped out. Yeah, yeah. If it was just like, like just saying some like wild shit to these kids. Yeah, like, just like wild. Listen, 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 kids. You've got to listen. Li-. Like I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 those or do none of those things. And and again, it's it's just. It's, this it's is new information. Cool. About the this book. is a this is a good ass scene, dude. I really feel like yeah. you you accomplished what you're aiming to do, and it's like. It's that it's that playing games warm fuzzy feeling toward the end of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So so you really accomplished that where I was like, Oh, they feel good in the camera. They feel yeah. good about each other. That's cool. How'd you guys feel about the uh, the two scenes with Judy and then we'll talk a little bit about the one scene with Miguel. Um, so the the first scene with Judy we've already read, but you made some adjustments. Right? I've made some changes to make it far more sinister. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and to yeah. give a little bit more information about the world that she wasn't yeah. going to get otherwise. Um, in my opinion, it's a superior scene. Thank uh, you. I, I think that um, Judy feels like a much richer character. Before she felt like sort of classic movie therapist Susan Sarandon, kindergarten teacher voice. Yeah. Tell me about your feelings. Mm. I'm very calm. And she still feels like that, but but the the scariness adds a lot of pepper to that scene. Yeah, it does. And I feel like she's not deliberately scary. Right. Her thing is just like, well, this is how the world is now, and right. you're, if you're if I'm going to give you therapy, this is your, what you're gonna have to adjust to. Yeah, right. yeah. Totally. I um, think that's really cool, actually. That like the symbiotes are so stoic, you know. But you do get these little glimpses of character, and yeah. and that like. Elevates everything. It's great because, like, there's that line where Miguel's like, "Oh, I still have feelings towards people, <laughs> positive and negative," which I, I thought was a great. It was a great world building line, but it's also a great character line, which is you you. It's always better to have both. Um, and in the context of that line, Judy is even scarier yeah. because yeah. you know that there's a person in there yeah. who has thoughts and feelings and opinions and emotions, saying this fucked up shit, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and and that sort of. There's a there's a very central conflict for me about Judy, which is where does Judy begin and where does the symbiote end? And that's the whole question of the movie, and I, I yeah. think that uh, makes her a really compelling antagonist, but also mentor. Support character? Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. it's... Obi-Wan yeah. and Darth Vader at the same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Uh, that, that character conflict that adds that third dimension you're talking about. Obi-Wan and Bib Fortuna, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> my, my proudest moment so far... And I realized afterwards that I, I, it doesn't work quite as well as I thought it did. It could, just because it seems like it's kind of leading up to it deliberately, is um, at the very end of these pages, where Sammy's like talking about just as a biologist. She's like, yeah, I was a biologist, and you know the reason I'm I prepped this bunker and everything is because um, I I learned that biodiversity is gone. Like you know, yeah. there's only one kind of banana now, and <laughs> you know, like. If there's a super bug, it, it could just wipe us out. Yeah. And then uh, that's where you see 
Judy, she leans forward in her chair, she taps the side of her head where the symbiote is. It glows fucking blue. <laughs> and she says, Go one already has. And that's the shit, because that's not therapist talk. No. That's therapist Judy. wouldn't say that. That's Judy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And I like it. it and, and Judy's made it very clear, I'm not going to, she's, she's made it clear, I'm not going to divulge this information to anybody. She's also made it clear, if I did, you would probably be killed. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's what I what I think is interesting here, and I, I also think that was an extremely strong line. Um, yeah, uh, threatening, it's, very menacing. It's, well, it's very specific. It's also informative. Yeah, it's like you got to adjust. This yeah. world is like this, you know. But there's also this this not particularly veiled at all threat, which is, yeah. I'm here to get a symbiote in you, yeah. and I can't make you do that, but I can make it absolutely clear what the stakes are. Yeah, yeah, and like. It's very yeah. sexy. It's, 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 it's kind of hot. You know? <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I really think you're you're nailing it with these oh, with these pages. Yeah, dude. I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to just promote you and blow smoke up your ass, <laughs> but like th- these pages really worked for me. Other than your favorite part, and I'll just shut the fuck <laughs> up about that because you know. I mean, it's it's a note that makes sense. It's like, you know, if without what I had in my head being on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can... It just seems like vulgar for the sake of vulgarity. Right, yeah. and that's kind of the the. the balancing act you have to do with that where like maybe just make them shorter yeah you know but I like the note about having it be periods and him saying it like he's doing yeah. a pronunciation manual like, yeah, yeah yeah this is how homo sapiens said lick my sweaty ballsack <laughs> <laughs> my asshole <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my asshole yeah. where it's just like very clinical yeah you know I mean that's yeah. fine okay um uh yeah so the the um I'm looking again over the second. The, in that second Sammy Judy scene, that last part was definitely what stuck out to me. Um, the I didn't reading it through for the first time. It wasn't immediately clear to me why Sammy. Because then in that last block of text, which starts with "My parents were a little unbalanced," mm-hmm. Sammy's opening up quite a bit. And there's a lot of reasons why she would potentially want to do that with somebody who's so sinister. Um, she's super lonely. Yeah, hasn't yeah. really talked to anyone in years. Greg is not a particularly good person to talk to about this. Or stuff. a good listener, really. Right. Yes, yeah. Um, what specifically was the reason that compelled Sammy to this point wasn't clear to me. Okay. Based off of these this conversation. Um not necessarily a problem that's one of those spaces that could be an actor's choice but uh if you wanted that to feel clear or if you didn't feel like that was a contradiction in any way i think it might be something to to think about i I guess my thought process on that was just like she doesn't know where else to go and she she um is at a crossroads with she doesn't know if she wants to go back to the bunker and just stay there and try to just live the rest of her life there, just maybe try to weather the storm, right. assuming that it is a storm and not the end of humanity. Right. Uh, she's like, should I do that, or should I pursue living in this world? Right. And uh, she just needs more information at this point. So right. she's like, how about, okay, I, I have Greg's information about this world. What's, yeah. What else is there? What else is there? And the only person who can tell me what it is uh, can also provide some kind of guidance and spiritual 
and yeah. healing, you know, by being a therapist, mm-hmm. even if they're like scary and strange, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I guess I'll go to the only place because she, she only knows two places: bunker, pen express, <laughs> and then yeah. other than that, it's Judy's office. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she's like, I guess I'll go to Judy. I've been to the other two places already. I'll go to Judy's office. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's what I was trying to. Get gotcha. Um, Sammy's dialogue as of this point. The sort of the structure of it is anecdote about my parents, me rebelling against it, pursuing this career, learning through my career that my parents were right. Yeah. Um, is there, I wonder if there's a version of this line that eliminates the anecdote about the parents, where it's like, tell me why you're so against symbiosis. Why did you move underground? I studied biology. I wanted to help stop the spread of, par- of diseases. Uh, in my study of that, I learned that uh, biodiversity on Earth has diminished so completely that an aggressive bug could wipe us out. That's why I went underground. Judy, like, yeah. the the thing to Her me... Yeah. never come up again, by the way. Like, it's not planned to be part of the story. Gotcha. Honestly, this... I had just read the book Educated. I knew it! I fucking knew it! I knew it, because I also just read the book Educated, and I was reading that, and I was like, huh, I bet... I bet... This, this feels a lot like the fuck educated. I just, I, I felt like she doesn't really have any backstory. Like, she, her, her backstory is just, she was a biologist, and then she went underground. Yeah. So I wanted to give her a little more weight and flesh, so to speak, to be like, she, you know, no one, very few people just build a bunker. Right. Ex Nilo, or whatever, just out of nothing. Like, <laughs> to me, it, it made more sense that she had this background of, yeah. you know, the spiritualism kind of thing. But it still might be hat on a hat, you know, gilding yeah. a lily, that I, whole thing. I agree with you that it's a really interesting trait for her to have. In my opinion, as of this recording, I think this is not the place to disclose that. Okay. I think that that's a really great detail about her to have in your back pocket going forward. I can, I can think of a, a hundred places where that would be interesting to sort of have us discover. Like, oh, her parents were doomsday people. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, for me, it felt a little incongruous to have that conversation with Judy. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Hell yeah. Now we save the cat. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of ways to feed birds. <laughs> um, <laughs> feed two birds with one scale. Uh, What's I, the one about bagels? Uh, we'll come back. We'll come back to it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all just so great. Um, I, I liked how BDSM the Miguel stuff was. <laughs> Not deliberate. I, I forgot about that, yeah. The, 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 oh, the, the, like him stretching out his quad. Well, like the, the, yes, Miguel. Like, uh, that, was, that was supposed to be military, but if you read it as BDSM, that works too. Well, just because my, my image of Miguel is as this incredibly warm, sunny, like... Uh, Caesar just, the just dog whisperer. Like, like not, a, not a hard angle on him, just like... Like, a really strong man who you can tell was once soft. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it, that's just my, my image that I happen to have of him, so the it, it, it felt sexy rather than uh, strict <laughs> or, or militaristic. Well, okay, to lean into that a little bit, I think Greg expected it to be militaristic. Yeah. Right? So when he starts, like, shouting, Yes, Miguel! You mm-hmm. know, uh, and Miguel, basically it's like, he's expecting the relationship to be him and Drill Sergeant. Mm-hmm. Miguel is expecting it to be like uh, a an executive chef and a line chef. Right. Really respect each other because he's a line chef. Right. And uh, line, you know, line chefs are expected to say yes, chef right. to everything. You right. Know? Uh, and that's just where his kind of training is. 
But uh, maybe I could play with it a little bit and have my girls be like, oh, you don't have to shout it. You just have to say it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's all that matters is that you yeah. understand. I just need to know that you understand. That, that'd be a good thing to do. If that revelation occurs, I, I think it should be towards the end of the scene because as currently written, you have a very nice little mini structure where at the beginning you have a conflict. Greg is scared. He doesn't want to exercise and it seems like it's going to be really harsh. He sort of tries to tackle the problem as best he can. And then at the end, we have this little twist, which is hydration is important. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm here to support you. We're healthy. I'm not. I don't want to be mean to you. I don't want you to feel bad. Which is, you know, uh, you know, the, what's our, our big our big theme of the story is like, oh, it's complicated. The symbiotes are nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I yeah I think if if you have a moment where it's like you don't have to shout, save it save it for the end. Give us give us give us some space where Greg is allowed to believe this is going to be more abusive than it is. Yeah. And his bones will actually be crusted to dust. Right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of abusive, Silas, you had some pages <laughs> where some horrible stuff happened. I sure did. did. Um, I sure did. So uh, this, so my intention with these pages are um, for this to be the, the darkest, hardest part of the story. Um, there's about, I mean, this, this is this is the low point. Um, this is the all is lost moment. Um, uh they're literally facing their guilt and their shame and their whatever is the, the the thing that whatever is the biggest scariest demon in their psyches this is where they encounter them um so that was my intention i wanted to have it be really scary in a way that is readable as uh being descriptive of the characters like i my hope with this is that after watching this sequence, somebody could give a pretty accurate description on what the characters' backstories were, or at least what the idea is with their backstories without needing to be told. Um, mm -hmm. and, and how well I succeeded on that is something I, I will need to get feedback from people because I, I don't know what it is. Um, uh, and then I, I wanted... Um, this is the first section where flora is definitively in charge yeah and i wanted for her i wanted this to be about her trying and failing to be a leader right. for this group of people um in terms of stuff that i am worried about i i have already made some edits on this section um like like what you're reading here is an edited version um yeah. The single biggest thing that I'm worried about with this is um, torture. I I think that torture is a systemically misused storytelling device in movies, particularly when it comes to women. And I think that there are far, far more movies that use women being tortured as sort of a sexy thing sort of a fetishy let's see how she's gonna get out of this one yeah. I, I wrote a scene that makes it okay for the woman to get garroted every uh, eli roth movie exactly saw movie. exactly yeah. um i really really and and the i mean the text of what is happening here is we are dealing with trauma yeah and so my biggest concern is doing that in a uh, 
an insensitive or a not thoughtful or yeah. a mean-spirited way where like like if if anybody saw this or read this who has had similar experiences to these characters i would want them to feel seen rather than triggered right. is so that's that's a, a big thing that i'm worried about and uh this was a lot more tortury the first time i wrote it and i i actually asked my wife for help for like other things that could be scary and feel really threatening and feel really visceral but not be like barbed wire across the face or yeah. more yeah, of the yeah, saw yeah, yeah. kind of stuff um, so so yeah uh that's yeah how did i do i don't know man like it, <laughs> good feedback <laughs> let me finish yeah, 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 yeah i don't know man it's like I didn't read the torture as being weird or over the top or too much because none of it was sexual. Okay. Where it was never aimed towards that fetish, fetishness, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what, I don't necessarily mean specifically sexual. I mean, yeah. like... Well, I think that yeah. because you don't have that in there, it's a little more contextual and it's like... I don't know. I think it all serves its purpose, honestly. Like, the barbed wire stuff is a little much, but... You know, it, it, it serves its purpose. It, it gets the job done. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, th I think you have two challenges here. Right. Uh, the first one is, how do you make what these characters experience tie into their actual lives? Right. Like, uh, to be cute with it, you know? It's like, like in the Saw movies. It's always yeah. like, oh, you... Uh, worked with your hands to hurt people so now you got to cut off your hands right yeah you know? oh, shit. Uh, is is there something to you in flora's story that is not just a metaphorical binding and tightening but like an actual something like she did could be seen as like related to that yeah so um so i i, I had a, a pretty specific intention with each of the monsters that they encounter with what thing is is sort of being represented um i before i tell you what i what the the dark flora what did i name her in this version uh lorelei lorelei what lorelei uh represents i would i would love to hear what you guys what scanned for you as what you feel like is happening with this Lorelai character and also with the the twins and the statues like so I, yeah. I read this a few days ago and I don't remember all the details but for Lorelai it feels like her in a dark mirror where it's just here's what I could have been or here's what I fear I am mm -hmm. you know or like I, I I beat myself up you know mm -hmm. like literally she beats herself up yeah. but you know it's like I don't ha I I I'm unwilling to surrender control oftentimes and the, the worst side of me is the side that won't give up the control of, of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's something like that. I don't remember much about the twins or the statues. Um, the the problem that I ran into and this twice ties into the Lorelei thing okay. is that your your writing is super dense in this in this section. Like I'm looking at page twenty seven and it just does not have a line of dialogue on it. And then, like, the next page has one line of dialogue on it. And it's it's really, really good, but it is fucking exhausting as a screenplay. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that because there's so much detail and so much heft and weight that things get lost and things get missed because there's so much happening and so much. Um, however, with that said, the way that you broke it up with the shrieks, the gasps, all those noises, 
Chef's kiss. Thank you. Fucking chef's kiss. I love that. Um, it's, it's 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 almost this poetic device that that breaks it up a little bit. And you could, I would say, go with it more, especially when you're you're doing it in these long sections. Or just like have someone scream something, or like because right. the the thing that like you have to have just those throwaway trash lines that just like break up the page almost. Um, That's why Marvel characters tell each other jokes uh, for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge yeah. action sequences. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's just like you need something there to break it up somehow. Yeah, the this is definitely a a, a very real challenge because I wanted a sequence with no talking in it uh-huh. and a page of text Occurred. is is what that tends to look like my my strategies at this point are a lot of line breaks and, uh-huh. and in my mind i do a line break when like the audience is getting new information yeah and i capitalize every word that is either a, a thing that would have its own shot or a sound yeah because Wait. Um, you could even do like like dip into the dip into the shooting script well and put like an angle on, or you could do like the, the yeah. sound key thing, or do anything like that. I recommend not doing that. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, we we disagree on several things, but yeah. at the same time, it's just like you you need something in there to at least break it up a little bit. You need like a little bit of zazz. I don't know, yeah. but it's because the, the and this comment is not coming from it's because the work sucks. This is this is coming from a point where this is really really solid writing, and I want it to stand out more and, and be more noticeable. Other than just like getting tired from trying to right. read it, because you're like, when you go into reading the screenplay, you're like, okay, this is gonna be a little easier than reading a novel. Right. And then this shows up, and you're like, oh, I'm reading a book. Yeah. No, it, it, this this is a, a totally real. I mean, people have to read this. Yeah. And yeah. it's my job to make it entertaining, and this is an absolutely legitimate challenge. Yeah. Because um, I I, yeah. I honestly think you have another ten pages here. You know what I mean? It's just that that kind of feels like how it could be stretched out. Uh, I'm kind of curious what you think about the formatting and all that shit since you're kind of the formalist. It didn't affect me all that much. Really? I mean, I I, I read it. I I knew that I didn't have much time to read it Uh in uh, in like the window in my lunch break. Right. So I read it kind of quickly. And I don't know. I felt like it was one of the big action set pieces where there's not like a whole. It's not conversation. Yeah. yeah, That's not what we're here for. Uh It's like it's visual metaphors. Yeah. And it's action that characters take and that characters have done to them. So right. I, I, I'm not as concerned, but I can see how if you're a script reader yeah. at an agency or something and you open this up, you're like, oh, fuck me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Don't don't be afraid to play with the amount of white space. Yeah. If you look at, uh, have you ever read the script for Alien? I have, yeah. With Walter Murch, right? That's who wrote it? Uh, no, that's the, that's the editor. Walter Murch is the editor of oh, a lot yeah. of Spielberg's movies, but... Uh... Uh, I, what is his fucking name? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's wild. He write, he, no one writes screenplays like him. Well, no, that's, that's something to take into consideration is that, like, instead of doing the double space, if you hit shift, enter, typically mm-hmm. you can do a single space. You can do it like a, a you know, that type of thing because you want to lay into the white space when something like this. So it looks right. a little easier to read. Sure. Because you know, it has to be appealing on the page for screenwriting. Yeah, it's totally. silly. One, uh, I... I can't be Absalom, Absalom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you yeah, started got, a lesson, that guy. We, we got tangent. Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. That's no, okay. I mean, I, I, I let us in that direction. But uh, the other challenge I think you have is setting all this up in Act 1. Oh, because yeah. there's got to be a little little something for each and every one of these things. Yeah. There sure does. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I, the twins... No, I didn't really get what that was about. Mm-hmm. I know I will once I read the whole thing. Yeah. But for now, it's just like uh, there. Someone is scared of 
they're being filled with something, or right. maybe they're scared of children, or maybe they're scared of wood. I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you quick? What did you reread the manor section, or did you go straight? to I read the, uh, all of the pages that you sent. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, oh yeah, I like the the way you reworked it. Um, yeah. The okay, so so real quick because I I. We're getting to the point where I should I should tell you guys what my intentions were, and you can you can give me feedback on uh, how how well I did that or, or ways that I could sort of double yeah. down on those ideas. Um, uh, Evan, did you what did the what was what were your impressions of what was going on with Lorelai and with the statues and with the twins? Well, I mean, I understood that they represented something about these characters' pasts, right? Um, but. Because I don't know what happened in the shed with Flora. Right. Because I don't know what happened with Margot and the twins, right? Was it... We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, and it's just like... It's, it's that whole thing where it got... Yeah. It just got lost in translation. Yeah. It's, it's like. certainly not scanning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, great. Okay. Uh, um, uh, and I, then, I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, is, this is critical information yeah, yeah, yeah. for me. This is so like, important for me to hear. Um and then with Lorelai, because I feel like Lorelai is, is the most expressive of the monsters. Yeah, yeah. What what was your impression of that that sweet lady? Um, it reminded me a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't couldn't help but think about that. Couldn't help but think about that. Some that. good shit. Um, but I liked it. I always love seeing that like mirror image opposite come into play. Right. You know, and and just seeing like the worst parts of someone manifest by themselves. Right. Um, and the whole barbed wire thing, dude. It's fucking locked and gnarly. Because Lorelai wraps the barbed wire around her neck, right? She does, yeah. yeah. Fuck. That, that, that's fucking bananas. That's some, that's some straight up Passion of the Christ shit. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the. <laughs> hope you guys liked, liked the name I came up with. The, the Keimer Soren. Oh, of, that's how you say it. The okay. wolf spider thing? Yeah. yeah. It's the name I came up with for that sweet boy. Um, We've kind of already met that guy, so I feel like that one's Yeah, more... yeah, when, when that name first came up, it took a second to, like, right. register, but I understood that, like, right. earlier in these pages it'll introduce Right. Um, I was like, oh, that's the that's the short form for fucked up hand person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, yeah, you know, this is a place where they have to face the stuff that they're ashamed of and the stuff yeah. that they uh, don't like about themselves. And so, you know, there's all these, of course, these little diorama statue of just things that they remember that are painful um and it'll it'll be on me to set up those and be, leave little breadcrumbs and uh but i think that one's you know they, they actually talk about that in, in the screenplay so it's less i can be a little bit vaguer with that and i think that yeah. will probably scan um so the twins when they are leaving the manor and entering the ice cave there's that moment where Joaquin like won't come with them. Right. There's and wooden dolls, right? There's two wooden dolls. And there's that line where Victoria says, you have to tell us what we're going to find down here. And he, he won't explain it. Um, so... There, so the twi- the, I just yeah. didn't... I missed it. And I yeah. think yeah, that yeah, one's yeah, at least yeah. a little bit on me. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, in, in the first draft, they were not wooden dolls. I changed that. They, okay. I specifically said plastic the first time, and yeah. the reason I, I changed it to wood was to match with the spookies. Um, <laughs> uh, so my my hope, what, 
what I need to accomplish with the twins is really I need to make sure that in that scene in the basement as the characters are leaving and entering the ice cave the audience is scared about whatever Joaquin thing they're going to find I need to make sure that that's something that they're actively worrying about is what of these when are we going to see the Joaquin thing because he's clearly done something really fucked up um but, but see, because he leaves, it's kind of like you forget that one of these little ghosts is going to be his ghost. You know? but, I, I, I thought that since he wasn't there... His, his ghost wouldn't manifest. His ghost wouldn't be there. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that's yeah, very, very That's, that's probably a good note. Is that, that I, I think part of the reason why that whole twins thing didn't scan was that Joaquin's not there, so why is his ghost there? Right. Yeah. Who, who is the ghost there to torment if Joaquin is not exactly. there to be right. tormented? He's, he's in the Orpheum with them. Yeah. Well, uh, his, yeah. his mind has filled the space with his... Uh, but yeah, no, that, but that's... Yeah. That, uh, the logic of that feels very clear and, and makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. So uh, I'll, okay. I, I have to address that. <laughs> um, let me just quickly write that down. We'll cut all this out. But yeah, uh, while you write, I will just say that you write action really clear. And you write action really well. Um, although it was dense, it was still very readable, very likable. And you always had a sense of where you were in the space. You always had a sense of... Um, what was happening in the moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. Character place and what, what was happening, the motivation behind it and shit. So, um, keep going. Okay. Is, is my recommendation. I will not quit. Okay. <laughs> this yeah, will not yeah, be yeah. the last pages you see out of me. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's, yeah. Just, just, cool, thank you. The, the, only, the only detriment was that density, man. Right. It was just like, man, that, that is a loaf that needs some double axe. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hear you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I was thinking bread. Anyway. I, 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 yeah, I, he said loaf and I got excited and then it really it took a turn. <laughs> um, so, my, okay, so my tension with Lorelei yeah. is in Act 1, I want to show Flora as being pretty self-destructive. And uh, I want to show her as being, like, really, really, really hard on herself. And, uh, like, in, in a way where she's just, like, like, she sits down to write something and she, like, starts writing and she gets, like, really, really frustrated and, like, uh, just, just, just make it clear that she is, is being... Uh, self-critical to the point where she's totally halted any productivity or creativity on her own part um there's sort of there's sort of a a, a hat trick that i i have to do here and i have not quite figured out how to make this scan or even if this particular thing needs to be clear so in that same scene where they're all talking and joaquin ditches uh there's a line where flora says like one summer i hung out with my grandmother and i was a real bad kid and I, I feel really ashamed of that. Uh, but, but I know I'm going to face my grandmother down here. Like, I know I'm going to find her. Yeah. And my thought was, like, so, like, all of these other characters have some, like, really awful things that they've been through. Flora, or, or going through this traumatic fire. And Vic- Victoria had this, like, whatever happened with her kid, it obviously didn't go great for either of them. Um Flora's memory, that big traumatic memory with her grandma in the shed, is fucking nothing. Her grandma doesn't even remember that summer. 
It's, oh, so it's a total MacGuffin. It's then. it's a total. It's it's and Flora believes this is this huge failing on uh-huh. her part, and that she like has never really recovered from how ashamed she felt with her behavior in that moment. But the problem isn't that moment; it's how she's dwelt on it. It's her. Yeah, which is why Lorelai manifests then, right? Because the yeah, the thing that she has to face isn't like what she's. It's, it's herself. It's the way that she's processing it, which is to be as hard on herself as she possibly can yeah. be. Yeah, isn't isn't there a fighting game out there where one of the hardest levels is always facing yourself? Yeah. That's every fighting game. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I just want to yeah. make sure that that's out there, because that, that's kind of the same thing, where it's like one of the right. final bosses for her is herself, and I think that's why the, the torture shit might work, too, is that it's like, that is this is one of her final battles for breaking through. So my, the, the kind of suite of moves that i came up with for lorelei because i was thinking like what if you actually met a a personification of your own self-hatred like what would it do yeah and my idea was originally it was like torture you (laughs) drag a bunch of barbed wire across your arms uh (laughs) the the sort of rewrite was it would want you to stay in the dark yeah. It would want you to go crawl to the bottom of a hole and never and get away from your friends, and so the the dynamic I wanted between them is Lorelai is abusive and is extremely willing to hurt Flora, but will will not do that if Flora does exactly what she says, and what she says is, "I'm going to put you on a leash." made out of barbed wire and i need you to come to the bottom of this black hole and live with me and you get if you do that your friends can all leave you can't go with them you have to stay at the bottom of the black hole forever but uh if you if you try and get help from your friends that will make me extremely angry if you try and leave and go up towards uh where the light is that will make me extremely angry and heaven forbid if you try to express yourself creatively in any way, if you try and make anything, that will drive me fucking crazy. I am <laughs> going to destroy anything that you create, and or anything that you try, any way that you try and express yourself. You you literally just threw out like several different lines that you have Lorelai say throughout this. If you want to hear her talk, do you think that would make it stronger for her to say that out loud? Ooh. I think that's like, a really her, good question. But yeah. to me, it's like I. I didn't, get, Did, I didn't get any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of it is that, like, mm-hmm. if she actually physically says it, at least in this draft, having it out there. Mm-hmm. And it can even be like she has, you know, a broken voice kind of thing. Like, yeah. no, like you the, stay with me. Yeah. yeah. I think the one line she says is, uh, uh, I think it's like your, what is it? It's like it's like you're come fine. come come it's come with me or your friends die. Is the one line yeah. of dialogue she says. But I definitely think she could speak uh, more. Yeah. Okay. Totally. I, I don't think she's super articulate. Yeah. But because those thoughts never are, they're just like, no one, no one wants you, and right. no one would be sad if you were gone. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's a little fragmented. It's a little right. nuts. So yeah. And and this it also is weird for her not to talk, since the way that people experience this in real life is literally a voice in their head. Like that's what Lorelai is is yeah. the voice in your head. So it's here's something for you. Maybe yeah. she doesn't open her mouth to talk. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Maybe it's just you, you can tell the sound is coming from her, but right, she doesn't like chit chat. Like she's that Kate Blanchett in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, she had Rogan's arrest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, was uh, did this part feel scary? Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, Very scary. Good. 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 Um, did the whole thing with Victoria and the cliff and the little boy? Did that feel uh, out of place or anything? Did it feel out of place? Did it feel like? Did you guys feel like you knew what was going on there? Yeah, I mean, it felt like the right point for Victoria to die because she's the Obi Wan character, right? right? And mm-hmm. so it's just like it felt like that's what we were leading up to. Right. Um, however, there were a few lines that I think either Flora or Margot said that that were very much Victoria lines. So you should. One thing to go back on is pay attention to what Victoria is saying and what she's not saying because she doesn't have much of a presence in these pages, honestly. Right. Um, and and because it's leading up to her death, you want to have her have more of a presence, I guess, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to emphasize that. And so just go, you know, there there were just a couple of lines in there. I was like, oh, that's what Victoria should be saying, not not so much Flora. Gotcha. Okay. Um, good to good to think about. But yeah, I definitely incorporate her into the scene a little more if she's mm-hmm. gonna die like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I would agree with that. That I think it's really important for. Victoria to like for us to get a last beat with her before she dies yeah right. because exactly. uh, if, if we don't get that beat it becomes harder to know why she's dying and uh-huh. let me explain it's like is she dying to sacrifice herself to save everybody is she dying because she can't face what is in there right is she pulling is, a Joaquin, is she pulling a Joaquin or, or yeah. is she pulling right. a Jesus Christ right, <laughs> right. Um, or a Gandalf or, or a Gandalf like is she gonna come back and have everything fixed for them I don't think that's what it is but I think, you know, it, right now it's, like, supposed to be kind of vague. Right. And uh, the the more, either lean into it or lean away from it. But yeah. right now it's kind of, like, in the middle. Gotcha. Where it's, okay. like, either we really don't know, is Gandalf coming back after facing the Balrog? Right. Or is it, like, uh, oh, she's she did this thing uh, and just because she's, we thought so highly of her, but she's another right. Joaquin. Right. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. We all did pretty well for this. By the way, did anybody else notice we all beat our goal this week? That's great. Yeah. 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 Good nice. work, everybody. Um, proud of you guys. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to. Yeah, I think that's it. The, 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 the <laughs> I, nice long pause felt like. Yeah. What uh? What are what do people want to get done next week? Um. Whew. So let's see here. Today is the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. So. Next Sunday, right? We're going to aim for next weekend. Mm-hmm. Do you mean three days from now or ten days from now? Ten days from now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, then I will do 15. Okay. 15. I'll aim for 15. I, I did 10. I beat 10. I got to go for 15. I'm at like 42 right now, and it, I want to get to 55. Because okay. 55 is the midpoint. I just want to uh, be yeah. at the midpoint. Right. Whether it's exactly 55 pages or not, I want to be at that scene. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um... I definitely want to be done with Act 2. Uh, that's like three scenes from now. Um, so I think that I should... I'm going to say at the very, very least, I need to be done with Act 2 and have Act 3... Prep. All my prep work done, all the adjustments that I need to make on Act 3 based yeah. on changes that I've made. Have all, <laughs> have all of that done. Um, and I'd say it would be even better if I had... Sick. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next week. What if but do-gooders? What if but do-gooders? Hell yeah. yeah. Peace. Peace.